Will, good morning. What a strange world we live in. <laughs> I keep thinking. Now, where's all the specials? Where's the singing? Where's all the... There ain't none. <laughs> That's all right. But uh, we have the Lord and uh, it's good to be here with you in, in strange circumstances. Where's the, where's the Saturday night banquet? <laughs> I look forward to my chicken dinner every year and to the corny, the corny jokes and to, and to the points, the points score, you know, when it comes down and uh, uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's a strange year, but never mind. That is, we had the VIP dinner last night at Coffs Harbour and I got to stir the gravy for my wife, who was the, the head uh, chef. So uh, I stir the gravy, then I got to have some of the leftovers. So that was a pretty good deal. <laughs> oh, and I got to taste the um, desserts too before they went out. I said to Robin, it's, vitally, it's vital that this stuff gets tasted before we let the uh, chocolate pudding go out to the older folk in the church. And so I was very pleased with my uh, contribution. <laughs> to the day. Alrighty, we are coming. Are we on the screen? <clears throat> we on the screen? Okay. Tell me when we're on the screen. Oh, still waiting. That's alright. Scott will tell me when we're on the screen. I'm using Scott's phone. Not yet? We're on. Oh, we're on. Okay. Now, Scott, if something goes wrong with your phone, you just, just hoy. You run. Okay. <laughs> All righty. It's very good to be here. Mary was a young lady. Now, this is the greatest story ever told, and you've all heard it. At least some of you have heard it a hundred times. Well... Pastor Davidson's not 100 yet, but I'm sure he's heard it a couple of times a year for the last, well, at least 50 years of his life. And um, this is the greatest story ever told. But Mary was a young lady. She lived in a province called Galilee in a town called Nazareth. Now, she had a fiancé, and his name was Joseph. And, of course, having a fiancé means that they planned to get married. Now, how old do you reckon... Mary was. You got a theory on this, Pastor Davies? I'm not. You've got a theory. How old do you reckon she was? 18. Well, actually, I had that down here. Was she 15, 16, 17, 18? The Bible doesn't actually say, but I'd say she was somewhere around, somewhere around there. Now, God sent a messenger to earth. Who knows, boys and girls, what God's special messengers were called? Anyone know what they were called? Yes, angels, very good. They were called angels. And most of the time when an angel, contrary to what we see in the, the classic paintings, angels, I don't know if they had wings. Uh, normally when they came in the Bible, they just looked like men, like normal, a normal man. But this angel was not a normal man and actually God had, God's got a lot of angels and the Bible says that angels are ministering spirits uh, and they are created by God but there are some special angels. Now one of these angels is called Michael so if you've got a name Michael it's a very common name. It's an angelic name 
But another angel was called Gabriel. Any Gabriels here this morning? Um, Gabriel. And he was a special angel because he had a very special message. And this is what his message was. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, here was this lady Mary. I don't know whether she was asleep or not. But this is what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. Hail, thou that art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee. Blessed or blessed art thou among women. Now Gabriel might have said it this way. Mary, you are very special in the eyes of God. Actually, the Lord is with you. You will become the most famous woman in world history. And I think that's most probably right. I think Mary is most probably the most, well, maybe Eve, maybe Eve right back in the garden. Uh, Mary's most probably the most famous woman in the history of the world. Now, Mary was understandably a bit concerned. You imagine if the, the ladies, you imagine if an angel came to you and said, you were going to be blessed among, above all women. But the angel Gabriel put her mind at ease and this is what he said. He said, fear not Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. You imagine being told that you were one of God's favourites. Imagine that. Gabriel said, Mary, you are one of God's favourites. And she received, or she was about to receive, incredible news. Have you ever received incredible news? I mean, really, imagine receiving a letter. And in that letter was, Pastor Davies, for you, two first-class tickets to Hawaii for a month's holiday, all expenses paid. Now, that would, be, that would be miraculous, yeah. I can't see it happening, but it would be miraculous. Or, um, or, or, or you get a, a letter from the bank saying that your long-lost Uncle Herbert that you never knew has left you a million dollars and it's sitting in your bank account. I mean, you will be flabbergasted. Wow, what a message. Well, Mary got a message, and this is... Uh, <clears throat> and Gabriel said to Mary... Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So this was Gabriel's incredible piece of news to Mary. Let's summarize it. You're going to have a baby. You are going to have a son, not a daughter. Uh, you will call him by the name of Jesus. He shall be great, as great as God is great. He will be known as the Son of God. He shall reign king forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Woo! You imagine getting a message like that as a young lady. That is mind-blowing, the message that this young most probably fairly poor lady called Mary got. Now, Mary was still a bit confused because obviously she was thinking, well, hang on, I know I'm engaged to be married, but I'm not married yet, so how could I have a baby? She was a righteous woman. She was a godly young woman. 
And so Gabriel, she knew what, obviously knew what Mary was going to be thinking. It was pretty obvious if you get a message like that. And so this is what he said. He said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest, that's God, shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. And if you think the message isn't getting bigger for Mary, this is just, this is just incredible. He shall be called the Son of God. He might have said it this way. Mary, God himself is going to make it come to pass. He is all-powerful. Nothing is impossible with him. The baby that you bear will be called the Son of God. Mary believed. She believed because we know this is what she said. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She may have said it this way, I am the Lord's servant. May the Lord's word come true. Just think of this for a moment. Here's this nondescript little town called Nazareth in this tiny little country called Israel and God sends his special angel Gabriel to give this incredible message to this young lady. It's a mind-blowing message. A mind-blowing message. Well, what a great woman was Mary. Was she a normal Jewish girl? I'd say she was. Was she special to God? Yes, she was. Was she a favourite of God? Yes, she was favoured. Was Mary a sinner? Uh, uh, unfortunately, the Roman Catholic doctrine says that she, she wasn't a sinner. In fact, I've studied up on this recently. The Roman Catholic doctrine believes in a thing called the Immaculate Conception. And do you know what the Immaculate, the immaculate Conception uh, is to the, uh, Roman, the Roman Catholic doc, dogma or doctrine? The Immaculate Conception, this is what, this is what it, according to the Roman Catholic uh, Church, this is what it means. Mary was born a sinner, but at the very moment she was conceived, a special portion of grace came upon her and she became sinless. It's a bit crazy. Because this is what Mary said. Mary said, and I'll show you the verse, she said, my spirit hath rejoiced in God my saviour. You see, even Mary needed a saviour. Was Mary sinless? No, she was a sinner like everyone else. But she was rejoicing in God her saviour. Well, that's a pretty incredible story there, the story of Gabriel coming to Mary. But in the Gospel of Luke... You get to the end of chapter 1 and then we go to chapter 2. Fast forward several months and this was the time of the Roman Empire. Now the head or the king, for for want of a better word, or the, the emperor of the Roman Empire was a man named Caesar Augustus. And he was a very powerful man. In fact, our month today, our month of August... June, July, August, is named after this man, Augustus. Now, he sent out, and basically, up to this point in the history of the Roman Empire, he was the most uh, powerful man at that time. And uh, he was one of the great Caesars of the Roman Empire. He sent out a command to conduct a census. In other words, uh, to write everyone's details down and to... um, 
uh, most probably tax people as well, because they were very good at taxing, like governments are today. You know, every five years in Australia we have a census. Um, some of you may have worked in the census, where you have to write down different things. But Caesar Augustus said, listen, you need to go back to where you were born and you need to register with the Roman government. And this is what the Bible says about that. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Now remember this fellow named Joseph. This was Mary's fiancé, the man that Mary was going to marry. He travelled from Nazareth in the province of Galilee to the province of Judea to a little town named Bethlehem. Who's ever heard of Bethlehem? We've all heard of Bethlehem. And he went there with Mary who was pregnant with child at the time. Now I'm told, I actually looked this, checked this this morning, I'm told it was about 80 miles. So what's that? About 130 kilometres from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Uh, that's a long way on, on a donkey. That's a long way on foot. So it would have been quite a trip for, for Joseph and his uh, fiancée Mary because they had to go the old-fashioned way. Um, <clears throat> and we read again in Luke 2, And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. In other words, she was, what's the word, very pregnant? Can you be very pregnant? <laughs> but it was getting close to the time that she was going to have her baby. Now, because Bethlehem was crowded with people there for the same reason as Joseph and Mary, there was literally nowhere to stay, even for a pregnant lady. <clears throat> and uh, they looked everywhere for somewhere to stay. Um, Mary knew that the baby was on the way. You say, how did Mary know that the baby was on the way? Well, any of you mothers that have had a baby, and obviously to be a mother you've had to have a baby, but any of you mothers, you know when the baby's on the way, okay? Um, you just know. It's one of those things. Well, I'd say most of you would, would have known. Us husbands, no. We, we don't, we've got no idea what's going on. Uh, I remember when, when Jesse came along. 1985 and uh, Robin said it's time and so I remember getting out of bed about four o'clock in the morning and uh, rushing around I just crammed down some breakfast and and had a coffee or a cup of tea and uh, I was in a panic you know I said you're ready to go she says no 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 we've got plenty of time <laughs> what do you mean you've got plenty of time isn't the baby about to come yeah it's coming coming so about uh, I think about 36 hours later the baby turned up I thought they came in about 10 minutes, you know. You've got to race to the hospital and like they do in the movies, you know. But, um, but mothers know. They know when the baby's coming. Um, now, I don't know. Pastor David has most probably studied all this um, as to where they actually stayed. Um, there's a lot of different theories. Maybe Pastor Kendall's got a theory on this. There is, tradition says that Jesus was born in a cave well, the Bible doesn't actually say that. Uh, others say that he was born in a house, in the downstairs area of a house. Uh, well, the Bible doesn't say that. Um, the traditional story is that he was born in a stable. 
Um, well, it doesn't actually say, say that. He most, he most probably was. I don't know. I don't think it matters. I don't think the actual place that he was... Uh, maybe if they knew where it was, someone would build a monument to it and charge money to go and see it. <laughs> but there, is a, there are certain facts about the birth of, of Jesus. And uh, maybe it was a stable. Some say that it was like a motel for animals um, that uh, was very common in the, the Middle East in those days. But we do know some things. Um, <clears throat> Luke 2 and verse 6 says, it was, and So it was, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, you'd think that a royal baby, because remember, what did Gabriel say to Mary? This baby is going to be king. He's going to, his kingdom will have no end. This is going to be the king. The king is coming. The Messiah of Israel is coming. So you'd think that they would have the best of everything. But no, not for this little baby. This little baby came along and was born. And uh, we don't know, there's very little said about how he was born, was, was Mary by herself when, when Jesus was born, was Joseph there, was there a nurse there? But we don't know, the Bible doesn't say. He was most probably born in a, in, in a place where there, there were animals. Um, I suppose they could have taken the, the manger and, and moved it into a house where we don't know. We don't know these details. We just know that he was born in most probably very modest circumstances. And little baby Jesus was born. I'm not sure which story, I'm not sure which picture's coming up on here. Which picture's that? Oh, there he is. Um, <clears throat> we do know that he was Jewish. And we do know that this is what the Bible said. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, supposedly little strips of cloth that the poor people had, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn, in the inn. Where he was born, the actual place, doesn't really matter. The fact that he was born is the thing that matters. The greatest story ever told, that the, the king, the king of eternity, the king whose kingdom will be forever, was born in the humblest of surroundings. Now, why does all of world history, even today, why does it revolve around the story of this baby that was born? Why? Why is it so important, this little baby being born in a tiny little nondescript town called Bethlehem? Why is it so important? In the, just the couple of minutes we have left, and I'm not sure, Pastor, what time I'm supposed to finish, but I won't be long. Here are some reasons why this story is still the greatest story ever told. Number one. Old Testament prophets predicted this event. Here's a fellow called Isaiah. He was a prophet and he wrote this over 700 years before this event. He said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Imagine that prophecy over 700 years before Jesus was born. And here's another prophecy that Isaiah gave. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
it wasn't just Isaiah. There's a fellow named Micah, another prophet. In Micah 5 and verse 2, this is what he did. He wrote, he said, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler of Israel, ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Micah actually named the town that the Messiah was to be born in. Again, over 700 years before it took place. So there was the Bible prophecies. And then secondly, God planned this event. God planned this event. You know, Earth, planet Earth, then, as it does today, has a huge problem. And it's not coronavirus. I mean, that is a problem, I understand. But the problem goes way, way back before then. In fact, the problem starts back in the Garden of Eden. And the problem was and still is a thing called sin. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They brought the sin curse upon the world. So every single thing that's wrong in the world today, in fact, every single thing that's wrong with you and me can be traced back to Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. You say, what is sin? Sin is missing God's mark of holiness. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And everyone watching this presentation, whether you're here in the room today or whether you are watching on the the, the, the live stream is a sinner. There are no exceptions. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And this sin is like a disease, only far worse. It affects everyone. It destroys, it kills, it brings a payment, and that payment is called death. For the wages of sin is death. And it is bad news. But God was fully aware of what was going to happen to his creation because God knows everything. And so even before the creation of the world and the universe, he had a plan, a rescue plan, a redemption plan, a sin and death destroying plan, and it involved his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, leaving heaven's glory, becoming a human being, and making full payment for our sins on our behalf. He became our substitute. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and finished dying, his blood was shed and God's righteous demands of holiness were satisfied. So God planned this event. God planned this baby coming to earth. And then lastly this morning, we needed this event. We needed this event. Remember Isaiah's prophecy? A baby would be born and one of his names would be called Emmanuel. This is how Matthew put it. He said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. He's referring to Isaiah's prophecy. God became a man and he started a 33-year-old journey on planet Earth and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It ended with his death on the cross for the sins of the world, his resurrection from the dead three days later and then 40 days after that he ascended back to heaven. This was Jesus' journey on this dusty planet. It was just a short time in the space of it, 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 compared to eternity, 
but it was an incredible life. He taught, he preached, he healed, he warned, he helped, he prophesied and finally gave up his life for you and for me. His birth in Bethlehem wasn't the end of it, but just the start of his time in the land of Israel. And the effects of this event, his coming to earth, the word becoming flesh, are still felt every day all around the world. Every year, millions place their faith in Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross, and have their lives completely and utterly changed. Their sins are forgiven, their guilt is removed, hope is restored, and their eternal destination is changed. It is the greatest story ever told. And so what is the application? The application is, have you trusted this saviour as your saviour? Have you trusted the son of God as your saviour? He loves you, he died for you, and he'll save you if you'll just call on him today. The Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And it would be wonderful to think that everyone in this room this morning has trusted Christ as Saviour, but most probably there's someone here that hasn't. And so the opportunity for you is to bow. You can bow even now and talk to the Lord and say, Dear Lord, I am a sinner, but I believe that Jesus came to earth to suffer, to die on my behalf and to take the punishment for my sins. And I now want him to be my saviour. I call on him to save me. And if there's someone watching this on the live stream, you can bow right now where you are and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please save me. Come into my life. Be my saviour. It's a great story. It's a great story that we never get tired of telling. The story of God becoming a man. And we rejoice together. Let's pray. We thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for the wonderful story. And, Lord, the greatest story ever told. We thank you for that wonderful lady, Mary, who needed a saviour herself. But we thank you most of all for your precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had no beginning, no ending. He is God. And yet he humbled himself to come to earth and suffer the death of the cross. We thank you for this wonderful time of the year and I pray, Lord, if there's someone that is not saved this morning, that they will seriously consider these matters and trust Christ as their saviour. Thank you for our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor, thank you.